Hey guys, you know who it is. It's Mystery Rose. I'm coming to you live and direct <laughs> on International Women's Day. And I just want to say I hope that you guys are having a beautiful day and you've done something to enjoy today. And I'm back, of course, with another episode of Mystery Rose Vents. I just want to talk a little bit vents a little bit about certain issues that are concerning to women specifically something that I personally can relate to and I think it's important to share and just discuss state a little bit of facts and state a little bit about personal experience and state a little bit about what can be done what possibly should be done but as you guys all know I always say I do not dictate what anyone should do nor do I instruct anyone on what to do I only share opinions share experiences and I'm open to listen to opinions and open to hear experiences so we're gonna get into that so let's do it Okay, guys, well, I said I was going to get into it, so let's get into it. It is International Women's Day, so I feel like it's important to talk about an issue or issues that affect women. Now, I want to talk about something a little bit different than you might expect um, that I was you know, going to discuss. Everyone that has been following me and listening to my podcast, I always share that I have epilepsy. And I have stated before that I have a rare form of epilepsy that affects women. I have an epilepsy that affects um, a small percentage of women And also, it is actually growing that they are able to link it and find out what's going on. Most women are aware that they have this form of epilepsy because it's like an onset is something that you're not born with and you develop it as a young lady or, you know, later on in life and you're wondering why and then... They start realizing that it's only occurring once a month during a particular time. So most women know that notice that they have this form of epilepsy by working with their doctor or themselves. And they realize I'm going to start keeping a diary. And from keeping a diary, you realize that it's occurring at only certain times in a month or it's occurring around the same time every month which is what happened with me. So I started off um, keeping a diary. I noticed that in my 20s, I was having a monthly episode of something going on. And when I say something going on, it's because when I initially started having epileptic episodes, I had two small children, because as you guys know, I shared before, I was a teen mom. 
So I was having issues where I was waking up and my fingernails would be dug in the middle of my hands and my head was hurting really bad. And I was wondering what is wrong with me. And um, I would go to the emergency room at times because the headaches would get that severe or my fingernails was dug all the way through my hand, the middle of my hand where I drew blood. Now, as I as I shared before, if you guys have listened to me, I have I was born with a heart problem. So I had heart surgery at an early age and I developed hypertension at um, an early age, maybe like 16, 17. I wasn't overweight at that time. I've gained a little bit of weight now. <laughs> if you guys have followed my journey from being restricted, not being able to exercise. But the point is, I had a really um, early form of like childhood hypertension or teen hypertension. And it was not linked to being overweight or anything like that. And um, when I went to the emergency room for what was happening to me, they would link it to like, oh, your blood pressure is elevated right now. So you probably, the headache is probably due to your elevated blood pressure. And sometimes some of the emergency room doctors would say, maybe you slept on your hand a certain way, or maybe that um, in your sleep, the headache got so severe that you clenched your fist. And um, by the time I went to the emergency room, some, I think one doctor took it a little more serious and did MRI and everything. They never saw anything. So they ruled it out as to do to my hypertension. So as time went on, this kept happening. And then at, um, I think, mid-20s, I started developing where I had a funny feeling. I never knew what it was. I never understood it. I would have this funny feeling that always occurred um, right before my menstrual cycle. And during, I would have this strange feeling where I felt like I was going to pass out and I would just drop to the ground. And then I, I learned to just lay down and let it pass. So fast forward, I had moved to a different state and this was happening to me. And um, I started seeing different doctors and they said that it seems like you're having migraines with auras. And that's when I first learned the term aura. They told me the funny feeling I was having was an aura and um, they ruled my headaches as migraines because they asked me questions to know my family history. And they never um, said they presumed something was going on, but they asked me certain questions that now that I'm an epileptic, I realized that they were asking it to see if I had epilepsy somewhere in my family. Now, um, that doctor at that time had presumed, well, um, told me that I might have um, epilepsy, but it was like, you know, a thought, but not really a set in stone diagnosis. And he sent me to do certain testings. Sorry, I had to take a drink of water. <laughs> you heard my voice <laughs> getting <laughs> all funny. No, sorry. But um, I had to take a drink of water. And it's funny that I'm discussing that now. The reason why I'm a little bit off, <laughs> lots of times I do this podcast, I'm a little bit off, off is that I'm going through my cycle now. So, um, like I said, he speculated that I might 
have epilepsy, but he never like said it directly to me. But now that I have it, I know why. So he sent me to do MRIs. He sent me to do a couple other tests. He had me do blood tests, different things. I wasn't sure at the time what he was checking for. And um, they ruled it as um, a presumptive epilepsy, but it wasn't a set diagnosis. Um, He then sent me to a major hospital, I'm not going to say the name, where they do all type of research. And I actually was seen by the doctor. And then they're teaching hospitals to a lot of medical students. I was like a case where they came in, they did reports, they was educating the students. And um, they felt that uh, I was having migraines or auras. And um, they basically said it was inconclusive as for me being an epileptic um, person. So I went on my life. They did make sure they gave me, they gave me a, a migraine medicine that at the time I did not know this, but I am aware now that it's also a dual medication for mild, for people with like a mild episode or they have an occurrence that an epileptic episode could occur, but it wasn't a major um, epilepsy medicine. So I was taking that going forward. But my blood pressure was always raised at certain times and I kept waking up again with the same terrible feeling headache. It felt different from regular migraines because yes, I will acknowledge that I had migraines. I had migraines from a young age, from maybe about as early as I can remember as three. I have severe migraines that I've also passed on to my children. But the point is, I do um, agree that I do have migraines and I do get migraines or auras. I'm the person get a terrible migraine. I got to turn off all the lights, lay down and relax. So I want to just take a small break and we're going to get into the story. I'm going to get deep into how I got my set in stone diagnosis of catamenial epilepsy. And that is the name of the form of the epilepsy I have. And I keep saying that, but I just want to stick that in there so... If someone is going through this, they can remember that name so they can mention it to their doctor and chart and monitor and get the right diagnosis as for what is going on with them. So I'm going to take a small break and we're going to get into exactly how it was pinpointed and exactly what worked for me and we'll discuss it. Okay, guys, I'm back. So, like I said, I want to get into exactly how it was pinpointed. Now, I'm going to fast forward and get to the point. I, like I said, it was ruled inconclusive, but they did make sure they gave me a dual medicine, I guess, just to cover themselves in case that was going on since that um, one doctor that referred me to get all this stuff done speculated that I had epilepsy. So what ended up happening is that I started taking a a diary or basically using a calendar and mapping when I had my um, episodes. And when I started doing that, I started realizing that 
it was always occurring right before my period. And um, on some occasions during, but early on. So as I started doing more research and just being aware of my body, I'm like, wait a minute. The the, um, days that these are occurring are the days of ovulation. You know, the onset of ovulation, mid-ovulation, or at the beginning of my menstrual cycle. So after charting and keeping it for, and mind you, I kept this um, charting and everything for like three years. So even though my migraines were a little bit better and um, I wasn't always having the seizures, I wasn't aware because it was occurring in my sleep. Now, like I said, I had two children. I had them young. As time went on, um, one of my sons was able to notice something. Now, my older son has autism, so, you know, certain things, he's not paying attention to me. When my younger son, I think he was about maybe at the time, I should say, hmm, um, I'm going to say about maybe 10 or so, he... uh noticed that he said you know you're having a seizure he noticed I was that um he thought I was having one so I was like I know I feel like that's what's going on but they're saying it's migraines but I don't see anything I don't notice anything at the time he had um issues fine motor a fine motor delay so due to the fact that he had a fine motor delay he got referred to have occupational therapy. I know you might be like, why is this important? She's all over the place, but don't um, think that. I'm about to tie it all in real quick. That's why I said I'm just going to get to the point. So he had occupational therapy and I had to take him to a certain center. I won't mention the name. So there was a lot of, called, lot of medical professionals at this place so um one day I was there and you might say why didn't she take her mad I'll just get back to the point of my medication being that they gave me a migraine medicine that was that it was a dual medication that could also aid in epilepsy it was something I didn't have to take every day so if I didn't take it you already know what might happen if I did have epilepsy So the point is, I don't remember whether or not I had to take migraine medicine that day. I went to um, the OT's office, the occupational therapist's office, and my son would go in with the therapist and I would wait in the waiting room. So when he went in to the office, I mean into the room with the therapist, I was waiting in the waiting room. I don't know what occurred. I know I started having that strange feeling and I'm thinking to myself oh man I'm having an aura the onset of my migraines because I linked that feeling I was having like I said they said to me that it was aura that's when I first learned the concept of an aura but I linked it to my migraine like I don't have my migraine medicine with me or anything like that so I sat there I don't remember much after that but because of being told what happened and when I became aware I can relate to you what happened so 
I was all I remember is I was sitting there. The next thing I know, when I'm aware, I'm sitting on a stretcher and people are talking to me. They're calling my name, like Michelle, Michelle. And I'm wondering what's going on. So they explained to me that while I was sitting in the chair, I suffered a grand mal seizure. Now a grand mal seizure is when you lose like full consciousness and you seizure out. You shake you know, violently. So basically I fell out the chair and went into a full on grand mal seizure that was witnessed by other patients in the waiting room. The um, front desk um, medical assistants, the therapist in the office, and it was a big organization. Like I said, I'm not going to mention the name. So everyone witnessed that they call the ambulance. And when the um, EMT techs came, they basically, you know, made sure my airway was clear, let me go through the seizure process and then got me on the stretcher. At that point, I had fully seizured and they were able to then draw blood. And I'm going to tell you the importance of why that drawing that blood was important. So at that point, I remember when they were calling my name, they said it was because they have been calling my name. They have been repeatedly calling my name for me to answer because I wasn't really answering. I guess I was like doing gestures and my, I was able to know this part of the story from my from the therapist that was with my son and other professionals and my son himself. And it's very sad initially because that was one of the first times that I suffered it in the daytime. And I'm going to get to that point as well. They were asking me that I know who my son was and I didn't. So they were like, do you know who, who he is? I shook my head no, that I did not know him. And they asked me more than once. And I kept saying, I don't know who that is, you know. And it was kind of heartbreaking because now that my son is older, he is 21. He told me at that point, you know, it crushed him and he was kind of hurt. But as he got to understand what epilepsy is, especially grand mal seizures and the form of epilepsy I have, he understands why that happened. And now that I am aware and I take certain precautions and try to do certain things, I don't really lose that knowledge. It's just at first I am drained and it takes a lot mentally and physically to get back. So um, by them notating everything, the next time I went to see a physician, they had on there that I do have epilepsy because I'm going to tell you the point of drawing the blood. When I got to the hospital and I guess once the lab works came back, it showed I had acid um in my blood so they were able to then conclude she does have epilepsy and I'm gonna get back into what that acid is called and um first I'm gonna tell you exactly the um form of epilepsy but uh, again I just need to take a little break and I'm gonna get right into it and then I'm gonna talk about something where I have been just you know (laughs) Just basically just thinking about contemplating. I'm always thinking of ideas and I'm wondering is there a link? Now, I am too old to go back to school or try to research anything, so I'm just gonna share it. Maybe someone 
could try to pair a link between that and see if there's a connection. But I'm going to tell you what that is once I come back. Okay, guys, I'm back. So let me get back into the acid I said I was going to get into that gets released. So before I talk about the acid, I want to just explain what an aura is and what my aura feels like. So most of you guys that have migraines, you know that when you have an aura, you might see funny colors like a spectrum of colors. You might see flashing lights. You know, as with the um, epilepsy and maybe for some people with migraines. For me, it was always the flashing lights, the colors, seeing the different colors. With the um, epileptic aura, some people have a strong sense of smell. They're able to just, um, and they have a specific smell that they smell um, before. They have a strong sense of taste of something. And a lot of people, which I have now come to have, you have a a sense, you have this weird sensation that you feel. You can't describe it to no one else. And then you have a a feeling of like deja vu. It's like something that happened before. You have a strong just sense of deja vu and you can't explain it. And it's kind of weird, you know what I'm saying? And then you have... it might be accompanied by you start having tingling all through your extremities and your arms and your legs and you can't explain it and um you know some people might just see lines going across and for some you might have all of this together like I said it's basically a warning for most people it's a warning me I would say it's about three to five minutes before my seizure at first initially as I stated I didn't know I had epilepsy and they tied it to my migraine so say I would have this feeling I take my migraine medicine I lay down sometimes it passed and I didn't have anything and sometimes I went into it and I didn't know because I was having it only in my sleep like I said until I suffered that daytime one when I was there with my son in the OT office and everyone witnessed it because that was the other thing. I was never having them any time in the daytime for some reason. And it was only during my sleep and, you know, no one was able to explain what was going on until once I was diagnosed, once my son um, was aware, sometimes he was scared so He would um, be in my room with me at night, and he witnessed it. Like I said, I should say once it was presumed, until it was fully um, diagnosed. Because even after uh, it was reported with the hospital, they were able to draw my blood and get, um, you know, levels that showed I had certain acid in my blood. And I'm going to get into exactly what that acid is called. Right after just making this point, I wasn't fully diagnosed with the form of epilepsy I have. It was then said that it looked like I was, you know, suffering from epilepsy. So it was finally being able to be in my chart and my medication was adjusted from just a um, migraine medicine to a form of um, epileptic uh, 
medicine. Now, I went through a couple before I got to where I am now. So you might say, well, if they did, you know, give you a, a diagnosis, you know, why did you suffer anything after where you said your son was able to witness and um, different things? I'm going to get into that. It might not even be in this episode, but I'm going to try to get to it. So let's talk about the acid. So when they drew my blood, the EMTs drew my blood, it was for a reason. They had a presumption, and because it was witnessed, they wanted to have that on file, and I'm glad they did. Because once I became aware and I was back to myself, I was able to let them know that what was going on for a long period of time, you know, I let them know at the hospital, and how I had all these testings done, and I never had the diagnosis. They said it seemed like I was, I may have that, but I did definitely have migraine with auras. And they linked that funny feeling because they asked me, did I have a sensation? Did I have any feelings before I had the episode? And I let them know, well, I do have migraine. I do have migraine with auras. And I had that aura, you know, right before, but I didn't have my migraine medicine with me to stop it because I don't have them all the time. So I only needed to take that medication as needed. And they explained to me, that aura you had was epileptic aura because I told them this time I felt a little different because I did have that strong sense of smell and I had a weird you know just feeling I can't explain and um they told me that but you know a regular specialist had to tie everything together and officially give the diagnosis but the EMTs you know they see this all the time they mentioned that that was that's what it seemed like it could be so they told me the reason my blood was drawn because they wanted to see if I had lactic acid in my blood. Because for people that suffer from grand mal seizures, which is what I went into when I fell out, completely lost consciousness, and seizured out on the floor. And grand mal seizures are also called tonic-clonic seizures. So for some people that know it as tonic-clonic and grand mal, they're both the same seizures you lose consciousness you go into a full-on seizure so lactic acid gets released in your blood or your saliva and the reason it's important to get to an emergency room especially if you haven't been diagnosed fully yet is it has your blood has to be drawn within two hours of having that episode that's when it's present in your blood that it can be notated so they let me know I did have that lactic acid in my blood, so I did suffer grand mal seizures. Now, people could have other underlying issues why they have a seizure, so they did do testing as well again at that hospital, even though I let them know I had it before. They wanted to make sure I didn't have any type of tumor. I didn't have any other underlying thing, so they ruled it as um, there was no underlying issues. There was no reason why... I should be having any um, episodes. So now that it was in my chart, I went back to my regular physician for a follow-up. And I explained everything that was going on. And as time went on by me keeping that journal, I got diagnosed with catamenial epilepsy. And this is a form of epilepsy that is linked to your menstrual cycle 
and as I stated before, it accounts for 10 to 70% of epilepsy in women. And it can present itself within three forms. And I will let you know how it presents itself with me. So for some women, they have the seizure right before their menstrual cycle. And the reason why it occurs right before the menstrual cycle is because of a drop in progesterone. This drop in progesterone leads to um, the catamenial epilepsy. Now, for other women, (laughs) that they have a seizure mid-cycle, which is during ovulation, so at the onset of their ovulation or while they're ovulating, they have the seizure due to the increased estrogen. And the third thing that occurs with some women is that they have seizures throughout their cycle. The second half, I should say, they have seizures on the second half of the menstrual cycle, so during the and I'm pronouncing it right sometimes you know guys my pronunciation is off <laughs> it's an ovulatory cycle so basically just say during the second half of the um ovulate um not ovulation of menstrual cycle because you know your menstrual cycle includes the during the ovulation period during the cycle and after the cycle it's all a complete cycle so for some women it occurs during those three times basically prior to your cycle during your cycle so um i basically have the form of epilepsy where you have it during ovulation that's the i sometimes can have it during my cycle which is due to the increased estrogen but normally um the that's when I should say that's the peak that's most of the times where I suffer from it I do also have it during the time of ovulation so around the time I ovulate I keep a calendar and I know my ovulation time and I know when my period is coming so it's so important for me I am aware during that time I take extra precautions I usually try not to be too stressed out around that time I make sure I take my medication I also do a lot of stress relievers during that time and I also make everyone around me know guess what I'm ovulating or I'm on my period (laughs) since it's very um lately like I should say prior it was occurring during my um ovulation period that's why I said that's not me but then as time went on I noticed it occurred more during my period so I had the the second form like um I stated during to the rise and the increased levels of uh estrogen and the drop in progesterone now I want to get into something that I think might be tied into it, but I'm not sure. But as you can see, (laughs) the basic sentiment of catamenial epilepsy is that it's a monthly occurrence or is prone to happen monthly. And if you 
look at everything it's basically due to a hormonal fluctuation it's happening due to like the hormones the progesterone and estrogen the rise in estrogen the drop in progesterone it's basically kind of like a hormonal imbalance and that's what made me think back to my childhood or I should say when I started um going through puberty it made me think about something like is this connected or not I don't know but I'm gonna get into what was occurring with me when I was younger and why it made me think about that so um I'm gonna take another little break and we're gonna discuss it Okay, guys, I am back. And as I was saying before, (laughs) this is basically like happening due to some type of hormonal fluctuation. And it made me think about when I was younger, I was diagnosed with dysmenorrhea. Now, a lot of people might say I have dysmenorrhea because dysmenorrhea is basically painful periods. But I was diagnosed with severe dysmenorrhea at the time of puberty and I went through puberty pretty early the onset of my um, menstrual cycles I had severe dysmenorrhea that's dysmenorrhea sorry I'm stumbling over my words my dysmenorrhea came on with severe cramps I mean I had cramps to the point where I could not go to school Sometimes it made me um, completely debilitated. I couldn't walk. I was just crumbled over in pain. I was severely nauseated, vomiting very bad, and I had to be hospitalized. I would have severe mood swings, and I would be in the hospital for the whole time um, of my cycle. And at that time, you know, I was just going through puberty, just having my menstrual soul it wasn't a set amount of days so sometimes I'll be in the hospital anywhere from three to five days and um at that point I was diagnosed with severe dysmenorrhea and a hormonal imbalance and um the doctor suggested to my mom that you know she allowed me to be on birth control even though I was very young, like I said, I went through puberty early, that it would help to regulate my hormones. So I'm thinking back right now, I was put on birth control at early age to regulate my hormones because they felt my severe dysmenorrhea and my hormonal imbalance, you know, um, that basically my severe dysmenorrhea and my mood swings, I should say, were due to some type of hormonal imbalance and then my catamenial epilepsy is due to a fluctuation in my hormones that's what I said I was contemplating and thinking like is there a link between you know that is there a link between having that type of diagnosis at an early age young going through life going through that and is there a link to develop catamenial epilepsy it's just something I was thinking about and I'm like that needs to be explored further in research but I'm not gonna do it you know I like I love school I love to learn as you guys know from following me listening to my other um podcast episodes I am in school 
doing my um, doctorate, but I'm not going <laughs> to research that. But that is a good area to research. And even if there's not a link, it's two topics that should be researched further to help women that have went through both issues like I have. And I think that is very important because this is a form of epilepsy epilepsy that only women deal with, catamenial epilepsy. So I just want to also let you know exactly because there are people that deal with dysmenorrhea and I just want to get into that. Dysmenorrhea, let's just say some facts, is painful periods and it's due to uterine contractions. And there are two forms of dysmenorrhea. You have a primary type and you have a secondary. Primary, you always know, is like basically you don't have no connections to any other illness or um, any other disease, any other conditions. There's no underlying conditions. And with this one, you usually get pain like right before your period, like about one to two days. And you, the pain you can have is like in your stomach, your lower abdomen. You get pain in your back. And believe me, that is terrible, like I said. And you also get pain in your thighs. And when I tell you, that is true my pain used to actually shoot down my thighs further down because like I said I was debilitated I couldn't walk couldn't go to school had to be hospitalized like it was severe so I know that and at that time I didn't to them I didn't have any um other issues so mine was classified as primary and for some people what happens with this menorrhea is that it completely stops it completely stops as you get older and it stops for some when after they have their first child so after your first pregnancy for a lot of women that suffer with dysmenorrhea it completely stops because I don't know if like I said the part of the hormonal imbalance was due to the fact that I was having the mood swings and everything so they said I had a hormonal imbalance and take um, birth control to regulate so I don't know if after um, a woman has their first child their first pregnancy that the body regulates the hormones and let it go back to normal why that goes away but that does happen now secondary dysmenorrhea this happens because you have some type of underlying issue going on. You have um, something going on with your female hormones, and this form of dysmenorrhea happens during ovulation, and it lasts <laughs> sometimes, you know, a long period. As with primary, I said that that comes, you know, one to one to two days after your period starts so you can have it whatever the pain could come on right before and you have it during your um menstrual cycle now with uh the secondary it can happen throughout the ovulation period throughout your cycle and the cramps normally happens and they last a long time I'm not sure if I mentioned 
with primary, you have the severe nausea. Remember I said I was nauseated, vomiting. With primary, you are nauseated, you're vomiting, you have extreme fatigue, you have diarrhea, and everything. With secondary, you have none of those. You don't have any nausea, you don't vomit, you don't have any fatigue, you don't have any diarrhea. It's just a severe pain and it's linked to a secondary issue going on, linked to a secondary problem with your reproductive organs. And I must say, (laughs) it has the hormonal um, sentiment as well. So I just want to say, dysmenorrhea has a hormonal sentiment as well. And being aware of my body, And knowing now that I have epilepsy, it's just, it makes you wonder. It makes you just think and contemplate and think about where exactly is this coming from? Are they linked? Or as I get older, am I going to have some type of issue (laughs) going through menopause? (laughs) It kind of makes me a little bit apprehensive. I won't really say scared. Because going through that during puberty and going through this, um, you know, with my cycle and having an affair every month, when I have my cycle of what's going on, what's going to happen, am I going to be safe, what happens when I'm alone, it's kind of scary, but I got used to it. So I'm ready for whatever comes with um, that part of my life when I do go through another hormonal change during menopause. But um, I want to say that when I mentioned prior that I had to see what was best for me because as for medication, I must say my um, epilepsy is under control. The medicine works for me. And I'm going to discuss that later on because it's important because that's why I still suffered some seizures and it wasn't until keeping that calendar for the three years charting my menstrual and them trying different medications that have fully got diagnosed with catamenial epilepsy that fully got um it under control because some of the medications didn't work for me and I don't want when I mention my medication that you take it as that's what I need to take because that was the point I actually tried about three medications before I got to that point and at some point I was even on two medications at the same time but I was able to get it down to one that has you know really kept my epilepsy under control so I hope that you guys enjoyed me talking about this and I will um get into the fact of not only Ramal seizures are linked to my um catamenial epilepsy. I also have other forms of um seizures because now I am aware of my body as I mentioned I'm body aware now. I do have um petite mal seizures because as I stated I have the grand mal tonic clonic where I lose full consciousness. I do have petite mal seizures, which are also called absent seizures. And that's basically where I kind of space out and I have a loss of time. I don't remember what happened. I start to stare off 
and I space out a little bit. I don't go into a full um, grand mall or tonic clinic. It could be a couple minutes. It could be 10 minutes. And I don't really remember what happened at that point. But I don't seizure out. I don't fall out. I don't injure myself or anything like that. And um, that happens. But I am aware because I might, I could be doing something and I could... I am aware of when I first, I feel like, you know, staring off, I feel kind of stuck. And, um, <laughs> you know, I don't remember what happened. I have a loss of time. I do also have focal seizures. And focal seizures are the same kind of stuck feeling, but I am aware of everything that's going on around me. I'm aware of everything that's going on around me. But sometimes I just can't move. I just have a loss of movement. And I'm looking around the room. I'm aware of everyone around me. I remember everything. And that I should say that kind of like when you have your aura, the aura is kind of a form of a focal seizure as well. Sorry, I just had an alarm going off. (laughs) But I turned it off. Um... Focal seizures are kind of like when you go through the um, aura. Because when you have an aura, you are aware of everything that's going on. You know, and um, with focal seizures, you have like eye movement. Sometimes my eye moves rapidly. You have some type of, you know, head movements and you do have that stuck feeling. But the main difference between focal and absent seizures is that in focal seizures... You are aware of everything that's going on. And absent seizures, you have like a loss of time. Both of them, you kind of space out, kind of stare off. And, um, you know, I'm just letting that be known that I do have both of those forms of seizures too. So don't think that the catamenial epilepsy is just linked to grand mal. It's just that as time went on and I became more body aware and I'm able to know and recognize what's going on with myself that I became aware that I do have all three and I'm more prone to have them during the time of my um, menstrual cycle or like a couple days before the, the onset of my cycle. Now, the ovulation period, that is a time I can also have my... um grandma seizures as well as well as the focal and absent seizures so I just wanted to share that so that you guys are aware and that you guys do know that this happens because initially when I have when I started having my seizures I wasn't sure what was going on with me and then when I fully got diagnosed and I would share with friends or family Oh, I have catamenial epilepsy. They were like, what is that? Like, what is that? <laughs> you know, and people weren't aware, but some people was concerned when I mentioned that it affects women, you know, especially some of my younger friends, being that it didn't get diagnosed till I was about 30. Like, in my mid to late 20s, they speculated I had it. Well, not catamenial, but they speculated I could have epilepsy, but as for getting fully diagnosed with catamenial epilepsy wasn't until like 30 so younger friends were scared like you know this could happen to me or 
you know, they were trying to just be aware of what's going on with their body. So I know for some, I hope I didn't bore you, but I hope I interest you into just knowing what this is and being aware that this is something that does affect women and it is something that could affect someone you know, could affect yourself. And if it does affect you, I hope I gave you some information that you don't know. And if you already know it, I just wanted to share. And you can leave me a message. Um, There's an area in the podcast where you can go and you can leave me a message. If you don't see it on all the different places that you listen to my podcast, which is on Spotify and many other um, places, Apple, different places, the podcast is being broadcast as iHeart. Google, um, if you don't see the place to leave a message, you can go to Anchor FM and look at the um, point where there's a place around, I should say in the description of what my podcast is, the episode, the title of the episode and everything, it is there somewhere you can click and leave a message. So you can leave a message and if you want me to add it into the podcast I can do that or I may revisit this topic in the future and I'll include the message in the future um revisiting of this topic so I'm gonna take another little break and when I come back I'm gonna quickly talk about the medication I take and how I got to that point so I'm gonna take a break and we'll get back into that. Hey guys, I'm back. We're gonna get into it and wrap it up. Now, I said I wanted to um, discuss the medication a little bit. As you guys can hear from all the different segments, you know, my experiences, my story, my journey, you see that it was a um, very long one, and also, it was a journey of, like, exploration, it was a journey on me discovering exactly what was going on with me throughout my um, life, and then pairing it back to early childhood experience so I'm saying all of that to say that I don't know what your journey might be because I know there's someone that's probably listening to me that does have catamenial epilepsy as myself you know or might be going through some type of hormonal issue and it throws your body off and it reacts I mean I should say different people react to it differently. It affects everyone in a different way. Now, I start off by making that very clear that it affects everyone in a different way. Hormonal imbalances, hormonal fluctuations, and also the women that have catamenial epilepsy, I already told you the three different times that it can affect a woman. So that means that 
when medication are used, depending on how it is affecting you, the medication that's selected is targeting, you know, that occurrence. As for myself, initially, it was all about exploring different things because they weren't able to really know what was going on with me. So some medications that were selected were not a good fit, and I ended up having um, some mild side effects. One medication I did have, um, I would say moderate. It wasn't a mild side effect. It was actually moderate. And it was very intense. And then there were times when I was not comfortable. And I would say, this does not seem like it's working or it's causing this issue or I'm worried about that. And I got a lot of pushback initially, like, well, this is new to you. You need to try it. You at least need to try it for a month. Then sometimes it was that you at least need to try it for 90 days before we can make a switch or you just have to adjust to what your body has to get used to it and I tried because having grandma seizures I could harm myself which I I should say hurt myself not harm myself both things are the same but I've had seizures where I um, have had bad falls I've had seizures where I did hit my head. Um, I've scars on my face because the last couple of seizures I had, I um, fell and hit my face and stuff. And I'm talking about recent because as I stated, my medication does keep it under control. Before I was having, um, when I first was um, trying to get diagnosed and got diagnosed I was having um more than one seizure a day then I was having then it was like one and then it was like more than once per week and um it was just like a journey as a progression into you know a state where I got to a point like man I don't know what's going to happen. It's not looking really good for me. And um, I was switched to one medication and they felt it was a dual medication that would deal with my migraine auras and uh, the potential epilepsy that I might be suffering from. And it did have some type of control. My migraines weren't as severe. And my seizures subsided, like I said, from being so frequent, but they still occurred. And even though they didn't occur frequently, it was still considered um, uncontrollable. So that means that I still needed to find a good medication that I could still do all the things I needed to do because I forgot to mention I was restricted from driving there were a lot of restrictions restricted from driving restricted from going to the gym restricted from cooking and using um the sharp knives if I didn't want to someone had to be there or I just didn't attempt to do that so there were a lot of small things that for safety precautions that I was restricted from doing 
and I just wanted to get back to my normal self because I am a very independent person and uh at one point I kind of got I wouldn't say defensive but I got to the point like these medications are so strong and the side effects are I wouldn't say unbearable but just was just too much and I'm like is this really life like is this what it's gonna be but through the journey I did meet other people that you know had epilepsy since they were born I met other people that um you know have got epilepsy later on and a couple people out of the people that I did meet had their stuff on the control and were able to go back to their normal activities so I would mention different things to my doctor and you know like I'm trying to make clear to some people is that they would state to me oh that person's um seizures linked to something genetic their epilepsies due to another primary illness or you know it's not good for your age or just different reasons why I can't just go by okay this person told me that this worked so I continued to take that advice and then when I finally um I had at first maybe three or four different doctors I was seeing because they had to collaboratively decide on what's going on. I finally had got to one specific neurologist that was very, very um, attentive to what I was saying. He did a lot of other um, exams and tests and he felt like a certain medication would have been a great choice for me and I decided to take it. And when he gave me that medication, he also still said for me to take the dual medication I was on that was um, for migraines and the epilepsy. And he also gave me another medication uh, that was like dealt with seizures as well, but a low dosage. So um, I took all of them. And uh, I felt better, but even though I shouldn't say I felt better, the seizure seemed to be under control. But one of the medications was always making me very tired, and then the other one I just didn't like the way it made me feel. But I will say my seizures were under control. The dual medication that was for um, my migraines and the epilepsy, um. That seemed to be having everything under control. I wasn't having migraines as much. So because I was on the other two medications, that was first removed at some point because I um, pushed back the little. I didn't feel like I wanted to take three different medications and I felt like they were kind of overwhelming. And I wanted to eventually get back to a normal unrestricted activity life where I was not taking too many medications I wanted to get back to normal as much as possible and try different therapeutics but in order to be given the green light to just go and try different therapeutics everything has to be set in stone and it has to show that 
certain treatments were tried, certain medications were tried, they didn't work, or what was the reasons why you needed to be off. So, um, there was a article I read about a specific medication, one of the medications I was taking, and it was not a good um, article, and it showed in the future different things could occur, and something that was going on with me, it seemed to be the contributing factor, so I asked to be taken off. At first, I was told as well, just like with the first medication that was initially removed, that I had to like slowly um, be taken off by lowering the dosage. So um, I did that, and then I felt like, you know what, I want to be completely off. And um, I was taking a specific medication at a high dosage twice a day and it seemed to have everything under control by itself that medication was um capra and uh i was on it for a while and it seemed to have everything under control then the dosage was reduced because i requested it after a couple of years and it had um my epilepsy under control now mind you like I said I did have a heightened risk around ovulation around my menstrual so there were times that I did have a mild um, episode or even a major one if I was stressed but it was very rare that it occurred it wasn't um, many times per day or many times per week it was very rare so that's considered under control. The main thing I had to do was make sure to remove any stressors. And then a, a huge thing that happens around that time, I have to make sure that I get a lot of sleep because not getting sleep will induce episode a seizure um, in anyone. Anyone that suffers from epilepsy, whether it's hormonal, whether it's secondary to another illness, different reasons, Lack of sleep can also be a stressor and um, cause the seizure to occur. Lack of sleep, then um, drinking too much uh, caffeine can do it for some people. There's different things. Everyone um, usually, just like with the chart in on my menstrual, and I located that, well, I shouldn't say located, I identified that it seemed to be a link. Many people with epilepsy, they also keep a journal and write down different foods. Like after, someone might have noticed that every time I ate this, I had an aura. Or every time I ate this, I've had the funny feeling. And shortly after, I went into a epileptic episode. I had a seizure. So keeping a food journal... Keeping a journal of just different things, we're able to just pinpoint what your triggers are because everyone's trigger is different. Some people might have somewhat of a similar trigger, but everyone's trigger trigger is different. So that was another thing. I started keeping a journal. I should have said that first, but that's what helped me to actually be removed from some of the medications 
because I started writing down different things that I ate and I started noticing that I had um, triggers in um, food items. I also had triggers in certain drinks. Like, um, sometimes you never know there's an ingredient in things that can cause you to have some type of reaction. So I wrote all of that down and that really helped. And I must say, I don't want (laughs) to say I'm seizure free. I'm knock on wood because I'm not. But life have improved so much better. I got to return back to a lot of regular activities because I'm telling you, being restricted for the amount of time that I was, was very, um, I, not really, I wouldn't say depressing, but it kind of made you feel like you had a lack of self-worth because you felt like you were not productive because you feel like you're not contributing. And a lot of people that have different illness, different obstacles might feel like that. So getting back to regular activities and doing a lot it allowed me to just have a lot of confidence, just um, rebuilt my feeling of self-worth. And I told myself, like, I am going to make sure I keep myself on track with everything I need to do. And I always, anytime I discuss a topic like this, I always say I am so, 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 so thankful for the medical staff that work and help me not only when I got diagnosed with epilepsy but have continued to work with me in the treatment process have continued to work with me to just make sure that I stay on track especially during these times right now we know how valuable the healthcare staffs are and I'm telling you even through this pandemic they have been just spectacular in making sure that I was still maintaining control of my seizures, staying on track with everything I needed to do. And um, I thank them so much. That's the point. I thank them so much. They gave me just a better outlook on what my future life will be. Just gave me a positive outlook. And I'm going to keep that positive outlook I'm going to keep sharing my journey, my story. And even sometimes I might sound like I'm rambling on. I'm just sharing. I'm getting it out. Because a lot of us, especially if you weren't like born with epilepsy or born with certain things and then you get diagnosed. And having epilepsy, especially grandma, A person that's around you is a lot of responsibility sometimes. A lot of us have learned to help ourselves. And we know when we're going to have a seizure, especially if you have an aura, so you know. Tell someone around you, I'm about to have a seizure. Just make sure I'm secure. Make sure that my head, you know, is protected. Let Let my seizure proceed. Let it happen. Just make sure that I'm put in a position where... My airways um clear, but let me have it. You know, if someone's around, time it, because that's important to know how long it lasted, and just make sure I'm safe. 
And once it's over, you know, it happens. Sometimes some people have it and they're fine right after me. And a lot of other people, you know, our tongue gets bitten up and it's very, very hard to eat, drink or anything. So initially don't try to give somebody water or put anything in their mouth. Initially just let them have it as long as their airway is um, is open. You make sure they're safe. You protect their head. Once they get out, you try to talk to them, make sure they come back and just verify with them how they feel and, you know, have that information for them if if you can. If not, it's just guaranteeing and securing the safety of that person. So I just want to say I thank you guys for listening. And I just want to say not only as it is um, International Women's Day, this is also Women's History Month. So it is very important that we continue to empower each other, continue to share our stories, continue to just be there for each other, and just continue to be greater. Just keep doing the things we need to do to help ourselves and everyone around us. And um, if you want to leave me a message... I would enjoy listening to what you guys think. I would enjoy listening to anyone else that has catamenial epilepsy, anyone else that has something rare that affects women, because this is something to share for Women's History Month. And also, if it's something else, you can leave me a message, and in the future I might visit a topic and what you leave me the message about it might be something that will be added to it, you know, because I know there are a lot of things that people face. Like, I have so many different friends that have other things that's very important to them, and I love to hear about it. And when they discuss it with me, I love to hear about it. So enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of your month. Do something positive. Do something empowering for yourself. And until the next time, this is Mystery Rose, and this is Mystery Rose Vince.